This Week in the 90s podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to This Week in the 90s. I'm Sarah Tian. Hey, it's Chris Brockman. Episode 8. Whoa. <laughs> Famous eighth. Famous eighth. The famous eighth episode. Yeah. Uh, um, We made it. We made it. Um, My week is September 20th through the 26th. Whoa. And uh, wait, do we need to do any old business or new business so far? I don't think so. Last week was amazing. Maybe the greatest one we've had. (laughs) They keep getting better. Uh, They do keep getting better. Hopefully you guys are enjoying them because we're certainly having more fun each time out. So uh, thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe, download, rate, do all that fun podcast stuff that people ask you to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's rock and roll. What do we got? So I have chosen September 20th through 26th, 1991. Whoa, 91. 91. <laughs> uh, you stuck with 1990. I did. I went with 1990. We did back-to-back 1990 yeah. weeks, so I feel like we don't need to do 1990 anymore. <laughs> Ever. The whole year. It's just <laughs> all done. We've, we've hit it all. Well, I chose... Uh, this was kind of a tough week because there wasn't really a lot that yeah. went on during my week. It was really difficult for me to find a good week, and I just kept going round and round and round. Yeah. And uh, so I settled on this one, and I think it's kind of interesting that you did Roll Doll last week because on September 24th, 1991, Dr. Seuss died. No way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He was 87 years old. Oh, man. Yeah, he died in La Jolla, which is right down the road. R.I.P. I know. <laughs> this wasn't just his birthday. This is the actual day that he died. I know. I screwed it up. I screwed it up. <laughs> I That's thought the best I, one ever. I thought Roald Dahl had died during my week, <laughs> and it turns out it was just like his birthday, <laughs> even though he was already dead. Yeah, well, I, I screwed it that's up. That's okay. I know. He gets the birthday every well, year. Well, I can't read, and it's a real, it's been a real issue up to this <laughs> well, point. You could have also done it in 91, 92, 93, that same day. Yeah, but it was also, it just worked out that... No, it's perfect. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to talk about Yeah, next well, because I had no idea. Well, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know you didn't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. No, I don't. Dr. Seuss. So what, what, how old was he? You he just was said? 87 years oh my old. Goodness. He was born March 2nd, 1904 in Springfield, Massachusetts. No way. So March 2nd in Spring. So Springfield, Massachusetts is the home of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh. And March 2nd is the date that Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? How do you know that? What do you mean? Why don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> why I don't know that because I'm not an N-E-R-D uh, a word that was invented by Dr. Seuss nerd? Yeah. Was in- no way yeah he invented the word nerd he didn't use it like we use it um, he used it uh, it was a ner- um, described a white haired red and yellow sourpuss but it Amazing. was the first use of the word nerd was in one of his books Wow. Uh, That wasn't, I didn't actually mean to talk about that right then, but (laughs) it just came up because you were being such a nerd. No, you called me a nerd. Um, That's a mean word. So he died. He called me a nerd, which is a mean word. That rhymed. Like, (laughs) Dr. See what I did there? I'm a genius. Mm, Yeah. So, uh, fun facts about Dr. Seuss. He wasn't really a doctor. Oh, I was going to ask. Like, what was his, uh, (laughs) he just called himself a doctor. That was his pen name. And I was like, wait, really? That's your. You you can just have a pen name where you give yourself a title. Great. I want to be General Brockman from yeah. now on. I'm Princess Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> so 
super wow. weird. Like my sister, who's an actual, has a doctorate, is going to be like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I worked my ass off. I to went to like, school for this. <laughs> this idiot is just like, I'm yeah. going to be called doctor now. Yeah. He was like at Dartmouth and he started like. Making well, he did go to an Ivy League school at least. Yes. So he's still not a doctor. I mean, st- I mean, it's not like everyone gets to go to the Ivy Leagues. There's only like t- eight of them. Or- it said he's uh, he gave himself the title so he could be taken more seriously in college and his books would be more impressive. By the way, genius. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, if you, if somebody did that. Oh, well, that gets sniffed out. Yeah, nowadays that gets sniffed yeah, out you'd immediately. You'd never get away with any of that not crap. Not really a doctor. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, that would be very scandalous in this day and age. But before social media. Yeah, no one cares. Before anybody could check. Like, this is also when people would have like eight wives and not, nobody ever knew. Yeah, just total separate but families. But whole families. Yeah, 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 totally whole. Anyway, yeah. he called it a pen name. His real name is Theodore Seuss Geisel. Geisel. Uh, it's actually not pronounced Seuss, but rather Zois. Now, Seuss is way better. <laughs> because that it's was, Bavarian. That was a smart move. <laughs> well, Seuss is probably just what everybody else called him. The PR firm that handled Dr. Seuss, they made right moves. <laughs> Call yourself a doctor. Switch your name to this. Hit all the right steps. Wait, uh, Make up words. <laughs> <laughs> I even forgot to ask you what you were doing in 1991. Uh, in September so let's of see. September of 91. Let's see, I would have been uh, just starting the fifth grade, I think. And we lived in Alaska, so I would have been in the fifth grade. Oh, okay. So I think I was starting eighth grade then. Just dominating. 91. Yeah, because I started ninth grade in 92. Yeah. No, maybe that's not right. Maybe then it's sixth grade. Yeah, you should be two years behind me. Because I remember 90, I was in seventh grade. So this... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Grade. So we moved in the middle of fourth and then I would have started. Yeah. So that would have been, I would have been. I also checked with my mom and she said that this week was the state fair and I was competing in the Cherokee Capital Fair beauty pageant. Wait, really? Which I have pictures of, which I will show on Instagram. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> yes. Beauty pageant. And I have a picture of my sister that is so funny because she was also competing and I was so jealous of her dress, which was gorgeous. But Oh. Both she and I look ridiculous. <laughs> I can only imagine. So anyway, that's where I was in 1991. Yeah, so I would have been like 11. Well, so is that that's fifth grade, I think. It depends on what year you started. If you started school remember. at five, then it's sixth grade. I don't remember. To be it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about you. So wow. he had a few other pen names. He was Dr. Seuss, Theo Lysig, Rosetta Stone. Uh, the- Rosetta Stone? <laughs> Wait, yeah, that really? was like a pen name. Wait, so the Rosetta Stone now that teaches you different languages, obviously that's after him? No, I don't think that's after him. I think that's an actual name of something. Oh. Uh, I don't know what the, for real Rosetta Stone, it's probably something biblical. Oh, something that's actually important to other people? Like, I don't give a shit about Rosetta Yeah, this week was also the week that the Dead Sea Scrolls went on uh, display at the Huntington Library here in Los Angeles, but I didn't have enough time to get into it. Yeah, I don't know what those are either. <laughs> <laughs> Biblical text. Got you know. it. Out. That's all right. Don't Very care. Very important. Um, there is no Jesus. Great. <laughs> Let's get that. into that. Um, anyway, Theophrastus Seuss was another name. So he went to Dartmouth. He started out drawing cartoons. Most of them were political. Uh, Interesting. He, yeah, because he also fought in the war and like mm-hmm. um, you know. So he started out doing that. 
He never had any children of his own. Oh, so sad. Yeah. His first wife couldn't bear children, and his second already had two from a previous marriage. But he would tell people that he had an imaginary child (laughs) named Chrysanthemum Pearl. And he would just brag about her. Like, whenever people were talking about their kids, he'd be like, oh, well, Chrysanthemum Pearl started skydiving, and she's only four. You know, like, he would just do it to, like, mock people. Wow, yeah, he's yeah. a real weirdo, huh? Yeah, but like kind of funny, like yeah, okay. funny, like like, f- a like funny a, weirdo, like funny weird guy. That so like... did he do all of the drawings for his books? Yes. Oh, cool. So that's how he started. He was drawing, and then someone like encouraged him to continue to. to well, it makes write. sense why like all the books are super goofy and weird. If mm-hmm. like this guy's got imaginary daughters, <laughs> yeah. you know Just what I mean? The one. Just the one. <laughs> Yeah, you, he had no. like stepchildren. Two, he had stepchildren, right, like, right, who right. he inherited and stuff. Um, so, he, like I said, he was the first person to use the word nerd. He wrote Green Eggs and Ham on a dare. On a dare? Yeah. So his publisher tra- told him to try to write a book using only fifty words, and so he was like, "All right." And then that's what he did. So he wrote Green Eggs and Ham, and he made it about a picky eater. I love it. I mean, yeah. I'm a picky eater, so that's I love mm-hmm. that book. Wait, are there really only 50 different yeah. words in that book? Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go count. Yeah. Sam, I am. Sam, you know. Like right. They, I am just, Sam. This Sam. is Sam. Sam, Sam I, I am. am. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not like green, green eggs and, and ham. ham. I do no. not like them, Sam, I am. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So it's I very. I will not eat them in a house with a mouse on a fox in a box. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Good job. Is there any place else you won't eat them? I mean, uh, well, here or there, I will not eat them anywhere. <laughs> In your face. You're also a picky eater, so yeah, I can see why. I did not know, (laughs) but I should never have doubted (laughs) your memory. Um, In 1954, his publisher told him about an article in Life magazine on childhood illiteracy. So apparently in the 50s, children weren't reading, and they were becoming illiterate because the books were so boring, and they were full of all these words that they couldn't understand and like things that they couldn't relate to. totally get that. So the director of education had compiled this list of 348 words that first graders should know. Okay. And so Dr. Seuss's publisher told him to cut the list down to 250 and write a book, and that's when he wrote The Cat in the Hat. Wow. So The Cat in the Hat was written to help children want to learn to read again and it became this huge success wow cat yeah hat in french chat chapeau in spanish el gato in a sombrero <laughs> what is that is that cat? from the cat in the hat yeah oh i don't remember that oh jeez. um so yeah it became like this huge top selling book like i think it sold like four hundred and fifty thousand copies just last year like so it continues to sell more than oh, any other yeah. children's book, and all of his books continue to sell, and like they've always like broken records. That's amazing. Like, well, of course, when they've you've also gotten more popular, yeah. Than, like you know, the longer. Well, they've done movies and stuff, but like the, when you think of like who's the famous, most famous children's author, he's the first person you think of. Of course, yeah. So he also always had like really clever response. I think he was like kind of witty, like old yeah, dude for or sure. whatever. When asked about where he got his ideas from, he said, I get all my ideas in Switzerland near the Forca Pass. There's a little town called Gletsch. And 2,000 feet above Gletsch, there's a smaller hamlet called Uberglech. I go there on the 4th of August every summer to get my cuckoo clock fixed. When the cuckoo is in the hospital, I wander around and talk to the people in the streets. They are very strange people, and I get my ideas from them. Yeah, I mean, this guy is like... 
he's obviously way he was way too smart for everyone else that yeah. he was around all the time and so he had to entertain himself yeah. and I, 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 get, I just get the feeling like oh cool I'm gonna make up words I'm gonna make up things like thing two and thing one thing one and thing two like, you know circles, I mean? yeah, but it's just, also like super simplistic but it's like and funny and yeah. rhymes. it rhymes. rhymes kids love it and it's like easy to digest but it's also there's like super deep meaning behind all yeah. of it and it's like I think like amazing. in the, the movies became like he uh, allowed them to be turned into other things like after he passed away but they still go towards the foundation and like towards helping childhood illiteracy so. yeah um, it's it's amazing. So I mean, the, just look at the Grinch. I mean, come on, it's amazing. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. So uh, wow. Oh yeah, Horton hears a hit. All of that. Yeah, all like, of that all stuff. of those became super famous, yeah. even more famous after the Lorax. After he yeah, passed the Lorax. Away. Yeah. He died Here of cancer. There, funny things are everywhere. <laughs> he died of cancer on September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, at his home in La Jolla, and his ashes were spread in the Pacific Ocean. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So. He lived wow. a wonderful life and gave a lot to everyone. So, so weird that you did Roald Dahl and then like Dr. Yeah. Seuss died. I mean, next just week. two icons of, uh, you know, children's books that yeah. everybody reads. Everyone has probably has in their house, probably has a half a dozen to a dozen of each of them mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. lying around. Yeah. Wow. So, that's so cool. That happened on September 24th, 1991. On the opposite side of the spectrum, on that same day. Oh, no. September 24th. 1991. Okay. Nirvana's Nevermind no is released. No way. <laughs> yes. Wow. One of the biggest albums of all time. Wow. Uh, yeah, they it's their second album. Their first one wasn't as big of a, a hit, but their second album, Nevermind, is released on September 24th, 1991. Well, it's the little baby in the pool. Mm-hmm. The little naked baby in the pool. Mm-hmm. That's all. The success of the album marked the end of the hair metal craze and was the beginning of grunge Grunge. rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The label was hoping to sell 250,000 copies. (laughs) They probably sold that last year. (laughs) I guess they were measuring because they also uh, represented Sonic Youth. They were also on the label, and that's how much uh, they sold of Goo, which was their album. Um, but Smells Like Teen Spirit went crazy, and by Christmas 1991, they were selling 400,000 copies a week. week. <laughs> it ended up selling $7 million in the U.S. and $30 million worldwide. Copies. Copies. Wow. Of the album. Yeah. Oh, baby. It knocked my... Yeah, I mean, it's a huge. Obviously, it's one of the best. Do you remember? Did you own that album? No. I definitely own that album. You I did? it was one of the first CDs that I bought, actually. Um, definitely didn't have CDs back then. We were still on the tapes, but I wasn't uh, listen- probably listening to that stuff, really. I, thought, well, I don't think I got... it. was grade, and then by the time I got to high school, it was still very cool, and like, yeah. they were very much in the zeitgeist, so... You know, being in ninth grade and Nirvana, and right. it's like you're you're about you're like meeting high school kids for the first sure. time. You know what I mean? It's like uh, your whole life is taking over. Like people are starting to wear like baggy pants and right. uh, Doc Martens. We were I, I, we always wore flannel shirts in our family anyway, just because like my <laughs> you dad lived is, in Alaska. <laughs> we lived in Alaska, and my dad is an outdoorsman, and we went hunting yeah. and fishing yeah. and all that stuff. So like. We were already kind of grunge before <laughs> before it became like super mainstream or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I got exposed to Nirvana until much later, until I was maybe in middle school. That so makes I, sense. So I kind of missed the beginning of all of it and then just kind of played catch up. Well, I mean, I can remember. I mean, I was only 11 when it I came didn't, out. So. Yeah. 
So I would have been 13. And then I, I definitely remember, um, like taking my dad's flannel shirts and wearing them. And then he had a pair of like, like raggedy pants that stuff. had holes all in them. And I was like, these yeah. are mine now. And <laughs> <laughs> I would wear them all the time. Your dad just being like, I'm sure he was keeping them to cut them into shorts. I don't want my pants <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. These are mine. And you tied like around, around your waist I can remember like eighth grade being like the first time I went into my parents' closet and I was like, I'm wearing this stuff now. Like, wow. I'm old. I'm big. I'm, I'm sick of my I'm mom big. making me culottes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to buy, you know, I'm, I'm going to start wearing their fun. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we Oof, had, wow. Yeah. We had a friend and a neighbor. Um, this guy Ben, and he had this super hot young wife, and like so, I would wear her clothes. Too. Oh wow, that's awesome! <laughs> yeah. Whenever she would let me. And man, that is a monster album. I mean, one of, one of the best rock albums ever. Yeah, it knocked know? Michael Jackson's "Bad" off the Billboard Top 200 chart and spent 252 weeks on the Billboard Top 200. Wow, I mean, how many weeks? Probably straight at number that's one. That's four. Years. Just 252 weeks is. Yeah, just being on the, on the list. So how many uh, number one hits were on there? There's there's tons, right? I don't know. I think at least seven. Probably they were all. I mean, it smells like Teen Spirit. I remember that music video on MTV. And mm-hmm. It was just like you know they're in the high school gym doing the thing. You know, it's like oh yeah, wow. Uh, it was uh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't look up how many how many number one hits. I just, I just can't remember what else was on that album. Oh, uh, I have that coming songs. up. Oh, yeah, okay. I have some of the other songs coming up, but I was just going to tell you some more stuff about the band. Yeah. Um, Dave Grohl. I think still, Lithium still was going, a song man. on there. Rape Me was a song that was on there. Um, yeah. So pretty quickly after the success of Nevermind, Kurt Cobain asked to reorganize the contract with the band. Yeah. Stating that he thought he deserved more money since he wrote the songs. Makes sense. Uh, the band actually agreed, but Cobain said he wanted it to be retroactive and include Nevermind, so, uh, <laughs> which created a lot of tension. He ended up getting 75% of the royalties for Nevermind. Whew, and baby. moving forward, uh, and moving forward, the band, uh, that's what, the band nearly broke up. Yeah. Uh, but they, they kind of had tension for the remainder of the time that they were together, all because he just like immediately was like, I want to read. It doesn't feel very punk rock to be like, I care about money now. You know what I mean? Like it felt it like it. It's not something that I would ever have even associated with Kurt Cobain. To me, the success is what killed him. Like he hated being punk rock. Like the idea of him having to put out a Christmas album in 10 years was probably made him want to kill him. Well, his famous, he was a heroin addict. His famous quote is, I hope I die before I become Pete Townsend. Like he didn't want to be like the stones. He didn't want to be in his fifties and sixties still doing concerts. That's why it's so shocking to me that he cared so much about the money. Yeah. You know, like I was, when I read that, I was like, what? I like my whole life. I thought Kurt Cobain was like, "Who gives a shit?" About yeah, money? he famously drove a Volvo. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, because it was like he was the safest car. Remember, Volvo was like, "Safe, they yeah. Volvos are the it's safest very car on the road." Seattle, yeah. you know, like it was very weird. So, like, he um, dropped out of high school and then became a janitor at that high school. That's amazing. And I guess there's a dancing janitor in "Smells Like Teen Spirit," which is a nod to that inside joke. Huh. Um, Dave Grohl was actually the fifth drummer in the band. Wow. Uh, the first drummer was a guy named Aaron Bruckhard. 
So make sure you write that name down in case you go to any trivia nights. There you go, the first drummer of Nirvana. Uh, he and Kurt got in a lot of fights. I guess uh, he got Kurt's car impounded after he got in a fight with a police officer and then returned to the band, and then they went through a couple more drummers. And then one day he like didn't show up to practice and because he was too hungover, and they finally <laughs> fired him again. Uh, they had a guy named Dave Crover after that who was on tour with them in ninety. And then Dave Grohl's band Scream broke up, and he got introduced to Cobain. And then, so that's how Dave oh, Grohl cool. became part of the band. But the bass pay- player Chris Novoselic, he and Kurt were together start to finish. Yeah. Um, Smells Like Teen Spirit was written after Cobain and Grohl were partying all night with another band called Bikini Kill. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so Seattle grungy, yeah, right? totally. The lead singer Kathleen Hanna was talking about the fact that Kurt Cobain's girlfriend's deodorant smelled amazing. And she painted the word, spray painted the words, Kurt smells like teen spirit on the wall in reference to the deodorant. And then wow. he like wrote the song the next day. Can That's you imagine? Amazing. Like Jeez. one of the most iconic phrases to me in like grunge and like metal rock or whatever. Like yeah, grunge I mean, rock. it's the song that you think of when I, someone says I even grunge think to you. That the name of the album is Smells Like Teen Spirit sometimes because it's, I forget that it's called Nevermind. I always think it's called right. like Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like that was my teenage years. Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, it's also so weird that like that's a song title. Did they have to pay Spirit? Like usage of the phrase or the word, you know, like the spirit. Oh, like because it was uh, the name of the because it was that's a, that's a brand name of a deodorant. Oh yeah, I guess I didn't so, really even associate that. And then Teen that. Spirit was like obviously marketed for teens, <laughs> and that was a thing, and they had commercials for that. So their song title is that, and so did they did they have to pay Spirit? Yeah, I think they lowercased it, so they didn't. It wasn't like a specific brand reference, you know what I mean? Like I never even associated with the brand. I guess you could. I guess you could say Teen Spirit as like an aura. Oh, th- th- yeah, this teen has a lot of spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. we've got spirit. How about you? Well, that's what I always thought it meant. So finding out that it was about a deodorant, you know, or like it came from the idea of a deodorant. Oh, I always like, associated it with, with deodorant. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I never did. I oh, always man. associated it with like your inner spirit. Oh, like, interesting. I well. Because I was like an angsty teen at the time. Sure. <laughs> you know, I was just turning That's 13 so when wild, this came out. so wild, um, So his girlfriend at the time, uh, Kurt Cobain's girlfriend, was Toby Vale. And a lot of the songs on Nevermind, like Drain You and Lounge Act, are about her. She broke up with him before the album was recorded. <laughs> she was the drummer in Bikini Kill. So Man, she must one. feel stupid. Or she's like... Glad I got out of that crazy heroin addict's life, you know? Or maybe he'd still be alive. <sighs> That's another thing. <laughs> okay, the band got thrown out of the record release party for Nevermind. They did? They got thrown out of their own record release party? For what, just being shit-faced? <laughs> Cobain started a food fight. <laughs> <laughs> like Animal House? <laughs> Throwing ranch dressing at Novoselic, and the bouncers, the bouncers threw them out. And then they started like they were like in the alley behind the club and were like talking to like their friends through the window. And then they were like, we're just going to move the party somewhere else. So they went to a friend's place and Cobain shot a fire extinguisher and they had to evacuate the building. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they really didn't give up. 
no. F about anything. Then they went to another venue and Cobain took a gold record from the band Nelson <laughs> and what? put it in the microwave, causing an explosion. Jesus Christ. These guys are insane. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, so they got thrown out. Yeah, it was like they were big-time partiers. Yeah. Kurt Cobain also hated Axl Rose, which I didn't know. Did you know that? Nope, but thinking about it, it probably makes sense. I guess he thought Axl Rose was like a homophobe and a racist, which... Probably true. Very, probably you know very I mean? true. But like... That's really cool to think that like that's why he hated him back in 1991. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having the awareness to be like this guy's fucking homophobe and racist in 91. Yeah, I don't want to be associated with this dude. Yeah. Right. So at the 1992 MTV Awards, he spit on the piano keys that he thought were Axel Ro- because he thought Axel Rose was going to be playing November Rain on the piano, but it turned out to be Elton John's. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this guy's a homophobe, and then he spits on a homosexual's <laughs> piano. And Elton John's like, "What is this? Why like, is weird? This, this is all wet. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, kind of crazy. Pretty funny story. Yeah. But then also at those '92 VMAs, MTV asked Nirvana to play "Smells Like Teen Spirit," but they refused because say, they were like, "It's no. like yeah. it's com- been a too year. Too commercial, man. Yeah, it's yeah. been over a year, and they said they wanted to play their new song, Rape Me." MTV was like, no way. Uh, (laughs) Because apparently the song was actually about MTV. I thought it was about like literally like sexual, but he was talking about the music industry, like raping him or whatever. Makes sense. Wow. Of course, he's always one step ahead. He was. Uh, They also, yes, they knew the song was about them. Nirvana and MTV agreed on the song Lithium, but Cobain played 10 seconds of Rape Me before breaking into Lithium. So like, and I guess MTV had all these, they were like ready to go to commercial. They were like, we don't trust him. There's no way. Like he's like, just in case. Just in case. So they were about to pull the trigger and And cut away. And then he flipped to Lithium. He knew. He knew. Um, At the end of the performance, Nova Selleck hit hit himself in the head with his bass. (laughs) On purpose? <laughs> yes. And then the band sarcastically said hello to Axl Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about trolling Axl Rose. Like, that's so funny yeah, to me. Yeah, that's really funny. I mean, because that's, that's the height of Guns N' Roses, too. I the mean, height. Like, Guns N' Roses, late 80s, early 90s, and then early 90s, you know, Nirvana comes in and kind of steals a lot of their thunder. Yeah. I mean, is there anything more punk rock than hating Axl Rose? Yeah, definitely not. At the height of Axl Rose. That's awesome. Know? It's pretty cool. So... Um. Yeah, wow. that was that was pretty much the era of Nevermind. Novoselic did not go to Kurt and Courtney's wedding because he thought Courtney was a bad influence. Oh, you think? He nailed that one. Yeah, their daughter Frances Bean was born shortly after their wedding, and her godparents are. Do you know who her godparents are? Let's see. Do I get a hint? Music? Is it a music person? The male is a musician. The female is an actress. Say who would they have been associated with? I'm not gonna get this. So who is it? Michael Stipe. Okay. R.E.M. is the Godfather. Okay. And her godmother is Drew Barrymore. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was Nirvana's Nevermind. Crazy <sighs> that it came Baby. out the day that Dr. Seuss died. I'm glad he didn't have to live to see punk rock happen. <laughs> oh yeah, good for Dr. Yeah, what would be a Dr. Seuss rhyme like? I guess about it's gr- grunge and punk. About punk grunge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nirvana was really interesting doing the research on them, like because they like 
Oh, well, they're incredible. But they also like their first song was a cover. I didn't even know that. It was like some like deep cut of like a car song. Or oh, something. really? Like, some weird thing. And then like on the first album that didn't really sell anything. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, they they like definitely borrowed a few chords and stuff from other songs like mm-hmm. Uh, but they like never really got sued over it. But then they ended up like doing compilations with those bands every once in a while. And then hmm. like that helped the bands like get more money or whatever. Oh, interesting. Um, I think a lot of those bands were drug addicts too. And they're like, what? You know, yeah, like didn't probably. Even, yeah. But they were like, they finally admitted to the Kurt Cobain finally admitted that his like favorite band was the Pixies. So it kind of makes sense that like so many of their songs are kind of like similar mm-hmm. in uh, chords and rhythm to the Pixies. So. Has, there's never been a real like Nirvana movie, has there? I don't Not think so. Not that I can think of. Yeah. No, because I feel like Kurt Cobain is kind of like our generation's Jim Morrison. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he died like way early. He was like incredible musician, rock star. I think he's also like a perfect, you know, like the timing of mtv teenagers this yeah. hot grunge guy yeah. coming in when like hair bands were super big and then here comes this super weirdo yeah when you have all these angsty teens like trying to figure out what they like mm-hmm. in music it does like a perfect you know harmony like a uh, intersection yeah. of teen angst uh, being met with like hot grungy guy that looks like he doesn't shower ever never i mean his hair was always like so greasy and yeah. stuff and like Man, Nirvana was the first like MTV unplugged that was like, this is awesome. Everything is acoustic. And I think that was also his idea because like they wanted him to just play. And he was like, I'm not going to play like rock because he's also like always stoned in the hair. You know, like he yeah. just didn't have the energy. And he was just like, I'm just going to play yeah. the guitar. And they were like, I mean, what are they going to say? No. And then it kind of right. led to unplugged, and then Clapton, and, and yeah, everybody and everyone else yeah. started doing yeah. it. And like all apologies, unplugged is like the greatest song, yeah, one, one of the greatest yeah. songs ever. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. true. I forgot about all apologies. Yeah. It's one of my favorites ever. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's exactly the same way. EJ sounded just like it. Yeah, I ended wow. up seeing Hole Good at one. Olympic Park. <laughs> They had a got, cu- like, she had a couple of good songs. Oh, yeah. From what I recall. Yeah. I mean, that was like her peak, too. I saw her like probably after he died would have been like 96, 97. After he was murdered. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so sticking with 1991. Okay, I didn't 1991. really know this guy, but it was like in the... Um, this day in his sports history. Oh, mate. Great. No. On September 20th, uh, Detroit Lions uh, cornerback Terry Taylor was reinstated into the league. Did you know him? Nope. <laughs> okay, good. Because I was like, man, there really wasn't a lot about him, but he was like an all, I guess he played for Seattle. He was drafted by Seattle. And then like, did he get booted for like gambling? For drugs. Or oh, okay. For drugs. And uh, it was the fourth time. Oh, got it. So, well, yeah. So he got like the NFL said he had a lifetime ban and then a year later they let him back in. Oh, interesting. And um Paul Tagliabue was the one who reinstated him yep. and his coach at the time was Wayne Fonts. Wayne Fonts, yeah. <laughs> Fonts. Okay, I said Fontes, yeah. but I don't Yeah. Uh I'm only bringing this up because he was so embarrassed about 
getting caught for taking drugs, mm. you know, at the time, which weren't hard drugs. I'm sure it was like pot. Right. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but all the reading that I'm reading seems to indicate that it was pot. And um, he was like, too embarrassed to go out in public and he just like lived in his apartment for really? months and months and months like can you imagine if social media had been around oh, then gosh. well I was just gonna he played for the lions no one would have known who he was <laughs> anyway <laughs> actually the lions were good back then with barry sanders oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like scott mitchell and those guys and herman moore apparently his teammate uh larry irvin is the one that finally dragged him out and then he played, once he got reinstated, he played in the NFL for four more years. Oh, with good. The Browns, the Seahawks, and then ending his career with the Falcons. Hey. Ew. Okay. On September 21st, USA Basketball announces the 1992 Dream Team. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yes. That's did awesome. Did you talk about this? I did not. No, uh, mine was the Dream 96. Team won the gold medal in 92 so like one of my early episodes was the dream okay, team okay that's winning, what i thought i was like i feel like we talked about this dream yeah team we already. talked about the dream team just a little bit we talked about them winning the yeah winning the gold and then you know the uh medal ceremony where the guys covered up the reebok with the flags and because you know jordan and pippen and barkley yes. and those guys were all nike athletes yeah yeah we just talked about that we didn't talk about like the naming of the team or anything yeah, so they were all named, you know, famously leaving Isaiah Thomas yep, off. Who definitely deserved it. I didn't realize that they put an amateur spot on the team, and yep. that was Christian Leitner over Shaq. Yeah, well, Christian Leitner is, uh, you know, generally regarded as one of the best college players ever, certainly mm -hmm. the most decorated of a couple national championships. He was, you know, All-American. He started for four years. Like, he definitely deserved it. Um, not saying that Shaq didn't deserve it, obviously. Uh, Shaq was a dominating college player at LSU. Uh, I think he was player of the year. So they just they just chose to have one spot, and they right. they picked Christian Leitner. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, I think it's kind of cool that like when they were preparing and practicing, uh, they scrimmaged the NCAA team. Yeah, they beat them. <laughs> and then yeah, but like famously, the coach uh, what was it Chuck Chuck Daly, Daly like didn't really play Jordan that much. <laughs> uh, but he, and then, so they played Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill, Penny Hardaway, Alan Houston, Chris Weber, Eric yeah. Montrose. Uh, they lost in the scrimmage game. And apparently Mike Shashevsky said that the coach that J daily kind of threw the game just to teach the guys that they could lose. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so he thinks it was kind of a setup just to keep, keeping their heads in the game and yeah. they go like you guys could lose yeah because so it's the you know it was the first time the dream team you know what the um, usa basketball had professionals in the right. olympics and you know before it was always the college kids you know jordan jordan was on the 84 team that mm -hmm. won the gold medal and um yeah it's that there's a lot of rumors and like yeah about you know these scrimmages and stuff from back in the day and how you know, when they would play against each other, it's like the greatest game that nobody, no one no ever one's saw. ever seen. The white team know? and the red team. Yeah, whatever, it's, uh, right? yeah. it's amazing. It, you know, it's one of those things as a sports fan, you'd give anything to have. Just, 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 just give me five minutes. Just <laughs> give me like a two minute clip of these practices, like Jordan and Magic, like going at each other. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or Barkley or Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing. And man, oh man, it was so awesome. You know, and like, like you said, he he Chuck Daly did it to prove that they could lose. Because yeah. like you know, going into the Olympics, like okay, we're just going to dominate. We're going to beat everybody by 50. And, you know, generally they did kind of beat the bag out of everybody. And it was cool. And the gold medal game, they won by a lot. And, like, I cool. It's awesome. During the Olympics, the opposing teams lost by an average of 43.8 yeah, points. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they beat Angola by, like, 70, you know? <laughs> well, apparently they uh, – 
you know, um, they were they got mobbed everywhere. Everywhere. They're, everywhere they were. They, they the couldn't stay in the Olympic village right. because even the security guards would mob them. So the people who were supposed to be protecting right. them would also grab their famous. kids and pictures yeah. and stuff like that. When they were playing other teams, like the like the guys on Angola would be like waving at their players on the bench, like make like, sure you're taking my picture. Like, get a next picture. To- <laughs> I'm standing next to Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, right during the game. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know. I mean, they were the most famous people in the world. Of course. Michael Jordan became the world's most famous athlete during yeah. these Olympics. Yeah, and so. yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's was, incredible. They also said like they couldn't stay in the Olympic Village because the beds were too small. Like that makes they sense. were all like <laughs> almost seven feet tall. Yeah, like they're hanging off of these that's beds. That's so funny. Um, they trained in Monaco for six yep. days. Practicing two hours a day, and gambling the rest. And yes, golf. <laughs> and uh, they were. It said the squad spent time enjoying the nude beaches, Monte Carlo's casinos, and dining with royalty. There was no curfew, and Daly stated, "I'm not putting a curfew on them because then I'd have to adhere to it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chuck A was like, what's yeah. the point of being the coach yeah. if I can't enjoy it either? He said, uh, Jimmy's, which is like this famous nightclub in Monaco, doesn't open until midnight. <laughs> doesn't open until midnight. He's like, I Could can't instill a curfew. No, yeah, there were lots of clubs like that. When I went to Paris, like a lot of the clubs didn't even open till midnight. Like you don't even leave till midnight to go to the club. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm going. We we would come out and I want to go to bed at nine o'clock every night now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. All I want to do is go to bed now. (laughs) But once we get a sitter, babe. (laughs) Yeah. um, Barkley (laughs) famously uh, walked around the city alone. He was the only one that went out of. Of the of the hotel, they started. They stayed at the bar, the Barcelona Ambassador Hotel. Yeah, uh, and nobody could park within five blocks of the hotel. Like that's how mu- they had Jeez. eighty. There were ninety four rooms. I think they had eighty eight of the rooms occupied. And um, Barclay was the only one that would go out. And yeah, he, he said, every, like, we were getting death threats, but he didn't care. He walked around the city alone. When asked where his bodyguards were, he held up his fist and was like, this is my security. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no kind of funny. That's funny. Yeah. Barkley was also the leading scorer on the team. Uh, he averaged 18 points a game. And like I said, the other teams were taking pictures oh, yeah, with them during the play. Yeah. So uh, that was... The day that the Dream Team got announced cool. was September 1991. How about that? And that's all I have. That's all you got? That's all I have. I did it. Good job. I that was fun. I think I had time to look up movies. I, I think the movie was like The Fisher King, so I didn't think you were going to be really no. care about well, that. Well, yeah, like I said, I didn't even get the mine. Mine, mine wasn't that good last week either. Yeah. The only cool. other option I, that um, our friend on Twitter always wants to know what we didn't talk about, but my only real other option was the Gulf War starting. And oh, exciting. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, you know, like I could have. Give done, me some Norman Schwarzkopf. I could have done that for like the last three weeks and like the yeah. Berlin Wall coming, you know, like yeah. it was just like. The thing is, it's like I don't really remember any of that stuff it really also, either. It's mostly like Kuwait and um, Iraq fighting and then the u.s being like <clears throat> like you can't right you know kuwait you have to stop tapping into it like you're only allowed to charge this much for it's like stop right. tapping into the reserves you share that with iraq you know so like we were trying to be the mediator but yeah didn't happen so anyway, anyway. that was really the only other thing to talk about cool so that is september 20th through 26 1991 1991 good job thank you good job okay everybody 
That's this week's episode. Hit us up on all the socials at Week in the Nineties Pod, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, YouTube, all that fun stuff. Um, anything else you think we're missing or you want us to talk about? Just shoot us a line, direct message, email, all that good stuff. Yep. And uh, eight episodes. We did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. I can't wait. Two more weeks. We'll be into double digits. Oh, my gosh. And then it's over. Nobody can uh, stop us now. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody can stop us now. Nirvana. That's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Wow. I'm going to go listen to some Nirvana right now. <laughs> go right <ahead. laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. This week in the 90s podcast.